Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey, that's pretty bad. Demoralizing, we were calling it. Uh, the Raptors lose 126-125. The death knell coming almost exactly at the buzzer, which is what a knell is. Yeah. It's like an early form of a buzzer. Before they could compute and create buzzer sounds. They had bells, and bells had knells. Bells and knells. Um, and the Raptors, they fall. 126-125. to 125. Sadiq Bey with the putback. Scotty Barnes reaches two the stars to contest against the Trey Young layup as Trey Young wiggled down into the paint for like the 80th time of the game. <sighs> a lot of really fun performances. I think that the Hawks are a really intriguing team who can give the Raptors and a lot of teams across the NBA a lot of trouble as far as like to guard them in the open court. And the Raptors without Emmanuel Quickly, without RJ Barrett, without Jakob Pertl, they battle, they scrap. They put themselves in a position to win it with some late heroics from Grady and Scotty, a little bit of scoring, and ultimately they lose the game. I'm joined by Lewis in his humble abode. Lewis, uh, top down, 20,000 view, f- foot view of this game. Quick stuff. Uh, I don't think we're going to get much better than that. Like, you're going to get wins every now and then, but wins don't really matter right now for the Raptors. In fact, when you're seeing the Raptors take out a center with two minutes left in clutch time. For the guy who would end up making the plays. Yeah, but that's not what they know will happen. So they take out their center when they can't defend, they can't grab a rebound. I don't think they care that much whether they win or lose. And so we had fun stuff, and that's what matters the most. Wins and lessons, you'd Win. say. Did you just make that up? <laughs> no, I did not. Um the effort was really good. Ian says, love the effort. Of course, they lost to a putback. OG3 says, thoughts on War's hairline, which we did remark upon <laughs> with a leg during the game. It's quite unique. Like, he, it, he shapes up, not really in, it's like that curved line. And then he also fades it up. And then he has like the, the frohawk kind of going on. Um, but that's not so much basketball. The Raptors, they struggled to keep Trey Young out of the paint, but they did force a lot of misses in this game. Basically, the reason why they lose a lot of games lately is that there's not as much offensive creation. They take longer to get into the swing of things offensively in the early part of games and maybe in the third quarter. And then just not being big down low yeah. has hurt them repeatedly. And it's something that makes me think that these Raptors, whatever it looks like post-trade deadline, if Jakob Pertl is there, they can play like a meaningful stretch of basketball through the rest of the season. I don't know exactly what that looks like in terms of wins and losses or wins and lessons, but Scotty Barnes, who I think started out with like a tough matchup in Jalen Johnson, who yeah. like played him into the help pretty well, who put him in difficult positions and like met him body to body a lot. He eventually figured out over the course of the game, okay, 
I'm going to like get to my spot. And as he did against the Clippers as well, figuring out that it was easier for him to isolate from the corner than it is from the top down because it's just he has a way better eye for help there. What do you think of Scotty and the overall performance in this game? Yeah, I think Scotty without quickly um, as a spacer, without Pirtle as a screener, without Barrett as a driver, and also, I mean, we're going back in time here, but without Ananobi and Siakam, and like he's just a lot of his weapons that unlock his skills just aren't on the floor. Um, I was really impressed with him finding like quick trigger stuff down low. He had some really nice pick and roll passes. Um, I think expecting him to just like roll out of bed on this team in score 30 is probably unrealistic. So um, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't particularly concerned. I would like to see his handle get tighter. I want to see him get a little bit deeper. The, I mean, you mentioned this, um, you counted the other night. I forget what game. Oh yeah. The dribbles in the paint. Yeah, Not three, a lot. Three dribbles. He picks up so early. And so when he gets to the paint, it's on the gather, right? He's not, he never still has a live dribble in the paint and that would behoove him have a live dribble still in the paint so you know there's things like i'd like to work on but ultimately um this is kind of what we're going to get when he's surrounded by less talent than he's ever been um they almost won against a really good team but you know it was really really good is like an oversell a really good player they almost won against a really good player (laughs) jalen johnson (laughs) um yeah it was i mean I, i think the free throws were really indicative Um, The one thing I said I was going to look at coming into the year, or the biggest thing I think was free throws, Um, eight free throw attempts tonight, and like they were earned. He was creating a lot of contact pretty close in. Um, So yeah, a lot to be be impressed by, even if like the major stuff that I want to see big picture didn't really happen. Yeah, you can like you could do the, it's not like create a player, but you can create a stat line. And you can try and get Scotty to exactly where he needs to be. And like a healthy amount of scoring in this game, he met it. A healthy amount of playmaking in this game, although overextended with a little bit too many turnovers. Some of that I think is about familiarity. Some of that I think is about defensive pressure. And then the only thing you're really missing is like, maybe he didn't get, like, I don't think he took any three-point shots in this game, right? Yeah. None. And he has been on a, you know, he has been in a funk lately, but he's still been like an impressive shooter over the course of the year. Maybe that's something you look for. I do like being more aggressive and getting downhill, especially late. It caused a lot of good things for the Raptors offensively. But on top of that, like he met a lot of the things you want him to meet, found his way over the course of the game. And then on top of that, like there's some stuff that can use work. But as you said, there's not a lot of talent out there currently. It's a bunch of grinders. Like you get the four for eight performance from three from Gary. You get Wara giving you 24 points, which was insane. Yeah, we'll get to him. And, and came in like, a, you know, in the blink of an eye, you have the Grady Dick plus 19 game, 15 points, five boards, three assists. Pretty good. And, and honestly, three of five from downtown. So, the the cardio is helping get them to different spots on the floor the extra whatever the raptors are putting them through i don't know exactly what they refer to it in in house but the two-week program the the two-week program whatever it is has been helpful and i think grady is a guy who brought more effort on the glass especially the offensive side than a lot of guys were bringing and basically the raptors are a team who's small who in the end, they lost this game in the paint. Yeah. Like, fully, they lost it there. But they competed, and they, like, man, they did a really good job 
of getting to the spots that they needed to offensively and then kind of giving themselves a couple extra possessions down the stretch, grinding and finding their way to, you know, a decent performance. But in the end, a loss. I want to talk about Wara. Yeah. Just let's yeah, keep yeah, it there. Yeah. You you were before the game had started, you had said like, I like Wara. He has these things he can do at the NBA level, which are important things. Yeah. He comes out, he just starts doing them. Yeah. The floor is yours. Take uh, the mic even. I was wondering when you were going to give up the mic. So, so, uh, really, really clean shooter, right? Um, which is super important for a bench guy um, who doesn't really have a role in the NBA to this point of his career. Um, and pretty good defender at sticking with his guy, can dance around screens really well, digs in at the point of attack, um, got sh- shredded by Trey Young, but everyone gets shredded by Trey Young, who cares? Um, the thing that I think has held him back is his awareness of what a play is calling for at an individual moment is pretty much only reactive from what I've seen. Like, um, there was a, a, game, a, t- a moment in the Clippers game where he ran a pick and roll with Barnes. He drew two to the ball, which is huge win. And then he just couldn't find a passing angle to Barnes. And so picked up his dribble instead of taking, you know, take negative dribbles if you have to, but keep it alive at the very minimum. He couldn't do that. And then he tried to throw a skip and just because the help had recovered, had to arc it really high, hit his guy in the feet and rolled out of bounds. It's just like when you are responding to everything going on two, two times, three times, four times in a row, you're just you're almost bound to make a mistake at the NBA level. But tonight it was very proactive. He knew what to do. He was doing it immediately upon touches. His touch time based on what he is as a player should be like negligible, right? It's like catch, shoot, catch, drive, catch, pass. Um, and that's what it was tonight and just not what I've really seen from his career at all. So that was really, really fun. I mean, six assists, I think, um, really, really good stuff. Uh, I would have liked to have seen more defensive attention. There was, uh, one play where we were talking about this at the time he switched off of Trey and then Trey drove right back into him, but he had his back turned and was just following his guy out to the corner and just should have picked up. Uh, and then the next time, yeah, and he just didn't. And then the very next time down, he was switching under Trey Young, but his hips were just like way akimbo. And the split was, I mean, Trey Young can split anything. And he gave him like a truck to split. And he just obviously took that space. Uh, the, the defensive attention was poor, but I mean, who cares? He was awesome tonight. It was so much fun. I honestly think where the Raptors are coming from with their, let's say, point of attack defense, where everybody's sitting as far as the roster coming into this game, and the fact that, like, you do have to live with Wara guarding Trey Young late. Yeah. Like, that's what they had to live with yeah. as far as that goes. And they also, like, Gary Trent Jr. in spurts, Bruce Brown in spurts, who I know has had a reputation, but Caitlin Cooper kind of told me that that hasn't been the case this season. I think that's been true as a Raptor as well. You have these guys contending at the point of attack. I think help being help-oriented, the Raptors did their best in this game. But being so help-oriented and being like, we, we have to throw a lot of looks at Trey also meant that they were susceptible on the back line and they started giving up like an insane amount of offensive rebounds. Let me just go look at what the final number was. In lobs if it wasn't rebounds. Yeah, lobs. They had 20 offensive rebounds, the Hawks, in this game, it which was, is a lot. It was 99th percentile for an individual game. They'd, they rebounded 43.6% of their misses. And, and they were all just like lobs anyway. So if they don't make it, they're right there for the rebound. Um, a lot of that is just like 
the Raptors got shredded by Plumlee in the last game. They're just, they're, they're tiny. They're tiny. It's not, it's really hard to win when you're small and they're smaller than small. And Sadiq Bay seven offensive rebounds is pretty absurd. Also Sadiq Bay 15 free throw attempts. They're just like ramming ramshackle in the paint, like getting around doing fantastic things. Yeah. Keep that open. Cause my phone's going to die right away actually. But I think that the Raptors were impressive in this game. And I think somebody, you know, they put something that I think will, uh, this will resonate with a lot of fans. Dog2233 says, productive loss, in my opinion. Saw what I needed to see from the guys like Wara and Dick. Scotty did his thing. We keep fifth worst <laughs> record. So that's that's what it is. I think it's sixth. I think there's sixth worst record for what it's worth, right? Because aren't the Blazers fifth worst? Yeah, Blazers. So they keep sixth. And so this is a conversation that's obviously, you know, Trey and S debated this on the last episode of the podcast. I had a tweet, a poll out about this, like which season you wanted to convey and all that kind of stuff. But this is a Raptors team that we don't know exactly what the future holds, only that it holds pieces of the current roster. And we know what that looks like. The, it, You know, it's kind of like you know, what I wrote about, like a path isn't a path necessarily. Until you walk it, it's a line so nice you said it twice. Sure, but it's like a general direction that you're trying to like walk through in the mist, and things will appear, all that kind of stuff. Ripty Rose says, "Day one of Dick Dynasty." Let's focus in on Mr. Grady. Now, everybody, let me know that it was a testosterone cycle. I or I I don't know. I'm not like I don't know. I'm not watching like more plates, more dates, or like any. I don't know. I don't do like fitness stuff. I'm not like, you know, jacked guy who's like, take testosterone, do all this kind of, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. But he's getting a little bit bigger. Yep. When I go take pictures of him pregame, that's when you get like, or when they're walking around, that's like when you get closest to the players, when you go up and chat with them. He seems more vascular to me. And, you know, <laughs> oh, geez. Dick seems more vascular. <laughs> Just okay. Anyway, I'm so sorry to the listeners. I'm so, so sorry. Um Kier Doyle says, Samson, how did you feel about Scotty kissing Grady on live TV? I didn't see that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, he likes his teammates right now. I was saying this before the game. Uh, it seems like he's happy having guys more his age. Not to say he was unhappy before or anything like that, but it just seems like, you know, when you're 22, 23, I know when I was 22, 23, I had different priorities from what I do now. Sure. Uh, and you can, it, it's fun sometimes to hang out with 22, 23 year olds. And it looks like they're having fun at least. Yeah. And I'm 21 right now. And I, you and I, there's a generational divide, obviously that we don't, we don't get along very well, but um, I am a big fan of head kisses. I think like, as far as people, I don't know, share, like having that familiarity is among friends. Yeah. I, I skew more the like, not Western idea of like, give your buddy a, kiss on the forehead or something like that it seems fine we're a bit far field from the basketball let's talk yeah, let's talk okay. about the basketball grady okay let's talk about what he did really well yeah. and let's keep it there before we get into innuendo 15 points um three threes uh he battles on defense he's not a good defender yet by any means but he fights uh, he got his torso caved in like twice against the Clippers. Three times. Three times like he was wearing a hit me on yeah, his chest. Yeah. I had this shirt when I was a kid. It had a target on it and yeah. it said chest bump underneath. It was like one of those like Target or people Walmart shirts. People punched me. <laughs> <laughs> and people punched Grady. And then he comes out, you know, um, the next night 
is today Saturday? It's Sunday. Two, two he comes days. out two nights later, and uh, he's still fighting. He's still getting hit. There was a point on that last possession where he he goes up, might be able to punch. He could have, man. He could have punched it. He was high enough. Uh, but he, he doesn't. Comes off his hand wrong, and then it bounces funny, and he's still close. And he, he from the ground, he's on his knees. He fell, and he throws himself after it. He doesn't get there, but like his give a fuck is high. It's really high. Um, and, you know, the shooting is good, and there's other stuff that talk. We, we can talk about the passing is good. He had a really nice pick-and-roll read. Um, but just caring on both ends, that matters a lot. This is something that I think everybody was hoping for is over the past handful of games, you get Grady almost tomahawking a putback that would have <laughs> given them the lead with seven seconds left, or like, or I guess it was before the turnover, 10 seconds left. Um, he pursues the ball with a fervor yeah like he he is really there's an effervescence to his game that like pops off the screen you know he shapes well to the ball when he's meant to be off of it yeah. he finds it when he's meant to go after it and he has tremendous like ability to convey himself around the court where he needs to be on top of that you get some of these passing reads over the past couple games coming off of a curl hezzy hang the dribble yeah. see how the defense is responding you got a two-on-one you leave a guy behind push lob Chris Boucher creeping in yeah. off the corner. Great playmaking. Like that's a play that there's a lot of players on the Raptors who haven't yet done that in their career. And he did it in game like 30 or 31 for his. Yeah. And that's fantastic. He hit the jumpers in this game. He shaped to the ball, although not, he's not running as much as he was perhaps at the start of the season. There's some conservation of energy there. There's a little bit more intention with how he's moving. But these are all super positive things. And, you know, the game he had last time where he's has three finishes at the rim, he finishes right with English, left with the inside hand lay, like that kind of stuff. He has the stuff, and the stuff becomes infinitely more fun and important once it's multiplied by shooting and gravity, which there's a, a short on our YouTube that is literally just it's me repeating that. So I'm just repeating myself, but Grady, yes. The other thing, so this is more on the negative, um, will be positive though. I think his schema learning, we've talked about this before, is like maybe the lowest I've seen for an NBA player. Schema's like, we're, I, I'm probably saying this wrong if you actually know psych, but um, it's where you uh, have seen a situation before, so you know what to expect, how to react within it when you see it the next time. And he makes mistakes where, it's just like he hasn't seen that before at the NBA level. Uh, and I think the speed of guys catching up to him still really surprises him. Like there was um, that three that Trent hit, the go-ahead three. Grady had it in transition and like took two strides to the rim and was like, oh, I am not actually undefended here and panicked and jumped and threw it behind him and should have been a turnover. But that's just like you don't really know what to expect in the NBA and I think a lot of stuff will get a lot better when he does know what to expect, when he has 100, 150 games under his belt, you know? Yeah. Let's say he takes that possession at Kansas. On the second step, he's either past the defender's hip or the defender isn't, like, there to meet him in air. And here, he takes those two steps. He sees, like, ooh, I'm going to get swallowed up yeah. at the rim, push, pass out, and they end up getting that three out of it. That's fantastic. Um, bad process, but, like, good outcome yeah nice to hit threes even though they ended up losing obviously um on top of that schema in neuro um in like neurology like neuroscience a neuro neuroscientist would say chunking yeah yeah chunking, chunking yeah. is is that's what it would be 
Um, Luke Philpot says, hey, guys, great effort and interesting bits tonight. However, box out. Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's like it's one boxing out. Yes, but it's also you have to send help at Trey. And if you're if you're the guy, you know, the term help the helper, it can extend one over. But once you start like extrapolating further and further down, everybody has a really complicated idea of where to be on the floor. And if you have like Clint Capella, who is not as effective as he once was, but like has a great read for how things are coming off of the rim, has a great read for positioning, can get into those spots. If you have like Jalen Johnson, if you have Sadiq Bey, who was like a hound for the ball in this game. Yeah, it's tough. Obviously, there could have been more box outs in this game. It's maybe surprising that I think Scotty only finished with like four rebounds, especially considering that he wasn't Trey's primary. He was closer proximity to the basket. You'd like to see maybe a little bit more compete from the guys across the whole roster. But as was laid out by the comment earlier, this is a team that maybe is not super, super interested in winning these games. Yeah. Maybe maybe after the deadline, if they have Jakob, if they have like a front court situation that's tenable, um, who knows? And like, as you said, while Grady ended up plus 19 in this game and ended up making a bunch of like winning plays, bad pro- process became good outcome. Good process became good outcome hit all the marks, even when he got switched out on the tray and yeah. like went baseline with them, they didn't score on that possession. Yeah. And he got beat, but they didn't score on it. So the Grady switch actually put them in a great position to win, but it might not have been done so intentionally, I suppose. But like, this is this is where the team is right now, right? Yeah, the other thing about the rebounding, um, when Scotty is trying to block everything as the helper because Trey's getting past the point of attack every time. That's three guys. Like, when he splits, that's two guys who are out of rebounding position, right? They, they have no one to block out because there's no one behind them. And then Scotty goes to block him. That's another guy who can't block out because he's at the rim. You, that's three guys who can't block out against four who are, can rebound, right? Because Trey can't. So, so you just you can't block out if everything falls apart. It's like, you know... Um, if you if you throw an aggressive scheme at a guy, you have to be able to keep him above the break. Yeah, Toronto's defense was just like, if we can't force the turnover, we're screwed because they're going to make it or they're going to get the rebound. Um, or even also on top of that, like Trey taking the aggressive coverage and just because he's such a wizard and like the passing windows he sees and can make work are so much smaller, even if the Raptors are throwing a hedge or like a blitz that will work against Kawhi yeah. or will work against like a bunch of a vast amount of like wings and guards. Trey will like have negative dribbles, has so much heat on his pass that like he'll find the avenue to his roller and get the ball there before the help starts coming. And then it's like a one on one with Clint Capella versus like the guy who was meant to tag. And that's just even if he misses, then like Jalen Johnson sees like he can crash in from being involved in the screening action. And then you get like two on ones and that kind of stuff. So um, this isn't giving them too many excuses because they've actually, it's not just Trey Young who undid their rebounding. It's been bad over the course of things yeah. lately. But I look at this team and you try and like dial back your expectations a little bit and you try and like see them for as they are, which is a developing bunch of young guys who their future is brighter and their now is more, you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. It's learning experiences, wins and lessons, which um, Grady had Trey Young buried under the rim in transition. That's what Ben Simmons was afraid of. That's why he <laughs> passed out. That was the moment that Ben was trying to avoid. Um, yeah, you know, uh, like when you opened, that's pretty bad. 
I don't think that was. I, I, think I have fine. to. I have I think to think say it. I have to say it. And it's pretty okay. So, the I live in a binary world it's, where pretty good if something pretty is either pretty good or it's pretty bad, and then I immediately immediately hedge afterwards. Like ah, it was so bad. It was okay. It it hurts that they were able to get like a a dunk. Somebody else mentioned that like that didn't feel as bad as the Tony Snell one. It certainly didn't. Yeah. The Tony Snell one, like when your team is really trying to win. And the Hawks beat you because the Hawks haven't been really good in a long time. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's tough to swallow. And because it was a three-pointer. And I believe it was Norman Powell left the weak side zone when he wasn't necessarily supposed to. And then that's what collapsed the defense. And then I can't remember who. I think it was Pascal ended up having to contest the Tony Snell three. But anyway, Carlo J.S. says Scotty and Darko is match made in heaven. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. What have you thought about Scotty's usage, not only in this game, but over the course of the past handful of games under Darko and kind of a, a new regime, let's say? Um, yeah, I think I think Scotty has probably done more than I would have even liked to fit the new players into the team. He's been um, deferential at times to try to get quickly touches, possessions, to try to get RJ you know, drives, um, try to get Bruce involved. Um, he's a he's a pass-first guy to, uh, to a negative at points where he's not really creating anything before he's passing. And so I think I would have liked over the past two weeks, three weeks, to have seen him pushing the envelope a little more. Maybe an extra three or four shots a game would have been good. You know, longer touches doing more rather than doing less fancy stuff. Um, I, I actually really like the way he's playing on a good team. But the way this team is now, it's not really helpful for them. Uh, I think it would be more helpful if he just was a brute in the post. And his post-up possession's really good. He's so fluid, right? And uh, I'd, I'd like to see more of that. What The way he's playing now is sort of what they will succeed with when they have him surrounded by shooting, when Quickly's back, when the team is settled a couple years down the road, you know, really quick. That that possession against Chicago comes to mind where they had the, yep. yeah, he had the, the short roll, touch pass to the corner, swing, swing, drive, back to the wing, back to the corner three. Yeah. Shooter. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was Port, no, Porter to Trent. I think Trent hit that. Anyway, mm. um, that is nice when it works. But when it doesn't work, it's like, Scotty, you had it on the roll and you're in the paint. Just like gather and go up. Uh, and he's been doing more of the touch passing to non-shooters because they don't have a ton of shooting still, even with quickly. Um, so, you know, it's good. I think good process. But the results have left a lot to be desired, even if it's for understandable reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's that's a good point is that this is something, you know, when Caitlin Cooper would watch a bunch of Raptors film and look at a bunch of like the numbers and then she'd come on and talk about scotty and be like it seems like he's like the author he, he's not being done any favors for his own usage like he has to go and kind of like eat off the scrap heap over the first two seasons of yeah. his career he's a guy who's searching for his impact in everything in the in-between mm -hmm. and then you see like the game against chicago where he pops off right where he's got this big game with big numbers the raptors are kind of breaking form repeatedly to get him the ball in the post. Yeah. And they're doing this because that's the best way forward for the team at that point in time is to lean on his otherworldly talents. And 
Scotty is a guy who is so comfortable and so good, like playing within flow and trying to maximize other guys as like a connective piece that he's now being asked to like, you're no longer connective. Don't connect anything, break something open and let other guys, let yourself eat off of that or let other guys eat off of that. And it's a bit of a shift and it, it tries to lean in or kind of like pull from skill sets within himself that he doesn't go to that often, but it's exciting for the second half of this season to try and like tease more of that out of him. And that's what the Raptors will need. And that's why the Raptors, you know, in fourth quarters, I think I I saw stats. Somebody said, I think 31% of his points overall come in the fourth quarter. Yeah. This is a guy who turns it on, you know, necessity is the mother of invention there's maybe not a ton of like invention going on here but there's scoring there's scoring talent there's breaking the defense apart that he's taking a little bit longer to get to and in this game he really found it late and did so in like a smash mouth type of way it'll be interesting to see him mix smash and flow as like we go forward i think uh the perfect encapsulation of that in one play was uh he was dribbling the ball up in like maybe semi-transition. And I think he had DeJounte Murray on him uh, and went to the corner, turned his back to him, waved off the guy in the corner, clear, uh, and just ISO'd from the post, dribble, dribble, dribble. Ended up turning it over, right? Like he got doubled from behind, uh, came up from under him and stole the ball. It was exactly what we're talking about, right? The the smash mouth basketball didn't work. Um, he It's not how he likes to play, but it, still worked really well and uh, was good. I want to see more of that no matter how it ends up. Yeah, uh, I think it was Matt who asked who's more luxurious, Lewis's painting, uh, the gold trim with the winter painting, or Trey's headboard. I imagine Trey's headboard costs more. So that painting was actually painted by my wife's grandmother. So yeah, cost us nothing. We have some of her art all around the house. That's fantastic. It's beautiful, by the way. The, you can't see the blue really on the screen, but it really does pop. Um, <laughs> the, the, Samson's eyes, this like siphoning all the blue, all the blue that pops in this whole screen is right there, buddy. Sure. You can't even see the blue of your shirt, really. No, it's all it's, right. Yeah. Um, Wara, we talked about a lot. I know Chad is highlighting it. Lewis, I think, gave like a really good distillation of Laura. And not only is Lewis the editor-in-chief of <laughs> Raptors Republic, but he is the Milwaukee Bucks writer and was for the end of Laura's tenure there. So yeah. there's a lot of familiarity. Um, Coco says, love to see family artwork. That's right. Yeah. Um, you you want to have art from people close to you, I suppose, and art from around the world. <laughs> that's, that's my take. Um, is there anything else that interests you um okay i'll let you go on that and then after that i have to do the ad read okay jonte porter so fun uh if you're a shooter as a center you're in delay action i don't want you to wait to see the cuts and then turn and fire like that was marcus Gasol's thing is he only took threes after four seconds of holding the the ball when everything else broke no just catch it you're open shoot it and that was porter tonight he went three for four I want him to get up those threes, man. Toronto's three-point frequency has been pretty miserable since they've got some shooters on the team. They need to get up way more. They got 31 up tonight, which is good. I'd like to see more than that. And I think a big path to getting more is like Porter getting up four in 20 minutes is your bench big. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, The passing is good. He just, he is a really um, intuitive player. He knows space on offense. He 
I'm really happy with Porter as as a as a long term piece. I think not like a starter or anything, but he's a guy who can play minutes, and you're happy with those minutes. Uh, and I was loving his no thought shooting tonight. I'm basically waiting for him to eclipse all of the things that Freddie Gillespie put down. So he has to score more than like 13 points in a game to solidify himself, right? Like Gillespie had like a kind of like, I wouldn't say a nice run, but an interesting run on the Tampa Raptors where everyone's like, he's doing stuff. Yeah. Cause like Aaron Baines was there and Aaron Baines had like a really tough time as a Raptor. And then they signed Kem Birch and Kem Birch was like better than people thought, but the front court was in such a, state of disarray that it seemed like Gillespie was like a warm splash of water. Yeah. Whereas I'm waiting to see Jonte more so do so do this kind of stuff in addition to whatever Pirtle is bringing like a change, yeah. a change of pace. Yeah. Let's say, um, I have two questions to answer. Yeah. I'm taking the mic back. Okay. One. Yeah. Um, can the Raptors, uh, dump Brown on Milwaukee for some picks? Yeah. So the pick that would be dumped for a bowl. Dumpable. Dumpable. I think they have a Portland second. Um, this, this is this year. your sourced Bucks info? No, this is just a pick that they have. This is not sourced. Um, that's very much in play for Brown. Um, yeah. Uh, I would. I think they're Milwaukee and Toronto are natural trading partners. Second, this is not a wine glass. This is a beer glass. Um, this is the type of glass into which you pour uh, Flanders or other, you know, bigger, more barrel-aged things. Um, this is from Alora, which is a good brewing company. I used to work at a brewery, so no, not a wine glass. But all the other things that was said in that comment about me remain true. <laughs> the freak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you enjoy hearing Lewis and I talk, you won't actually get it in this, but we're hosting a panel, a trade deadline panel, a live podcast downtown Rivoli, and it's at 7 p.m. February 6th, William Liu, Blake Murphy, Lindsey Dunn, Imana Dunn, Brandon Leftwich, who is a coach for the Raptors 905, Trevon Heath, Isfandiar Berhaney, myself, yourself, Andrew Damlin, and that's who's going to be there on the panel. For the people who I know certainly wanted Alex to be there, out of town. We, we tried to get the Raptor show reunion, our apologies, but we got two, the, the remaining two, I suppose. Um, Last year, we sold it out. It was a ton of fun. If you want to come get in like a really fun night of hoops talk where if you like the work and you like listening or reading or that kind of stuff and want to talk to any of us afterwards, that's something we're all cool with. Everyone, people make friends there. People meet other fans there. It's like a whole fun thing. Go to raptorsapub.com and you should be able to find it. I think it'll pop up. Um, You can buy tickets for it. February 6th, come out. It'll be a blast. Okay. Uh... Raptors. Raptors. Jonte Porter, we're waiting on stuff. This is kind of like the back half of the podcast, I think is typically where I look at like really lean into listener questions. Carlo JS says, are we going to get a third big on the deadline? From your point of view, because we're not, this isn't sourced talk, I wouldn't say. I think it's more likely that a big goes out from the Raptors than it is that a big comes in. That's my source talk. So, yeah, but (laughs) so what is your preference for like targeting bigs versus selling on bigs at the deadline? I don't think the Raptors should be targeting a specific position right now. I think they just need to focus on talent upgrades, um, home run swings. Like if they have, if there's a guy that they think can become a really high level contributor in the future, uh, in picks, I, like 
getting a big right now based on the team's record, um, what the future might hold for this specific season makes no sense. They're not trying to win games. They just sub Grady Dick in with two <laughs> minutes left in, in the clutch, right? Um, at a rebounding deficit, they took their center out. That's They're not trying to win games. They don't need a big. They just need talent. So if that talent comes in the package of a big, awesome. If it doesn't, awesome. Matt Hogg says, go pay Claxton or Pat Will in the offseason. I think you would have to pay Pat Will a lot less. Yeah. Claxton, this is the thing. This is where, you know, you have cap space as the Raptors, so everyone gets to start dreaming on stuff. But this we'll really get to see if there's like a sea change. Can the Raptors pull with cap space? What Do you lean yes or no on that one? Uh, I would lean no with that one. Well, what do you want to pull, right? Like Claxton. Free agency hasn't existed for a long time in the NBA um, for a couple of reasons. I don't think Claxton is a particularly good fit with this team. Um, if you are like the Raptors just destroyed an entire era because they thought it was too expensive to keep it together. I don't see the Raptors finally undoing whatever they built and then going right back into cap hell by overpaying a center in free agency. I went to, you know, Dante's Inferno. Um, Salvador Dali did an exhibit on Dante's Inferno where he was in Inferno and then Purgatory and then had ascended to heaven. And it actually was. There were several NBA teams' cap sheets were part of the exhibit. So <laughs> Wait, I'm, ho- <laughs> I'm hoping that the Raptors... Wait, is that true? Well, I did go to it, but okay. there, there was yeah, obviously... Yeah, okay. There, okay. It, was, it was like, you know, he's like, the late great surrealist artist yeah, Salvador yeah, yeah. Dali, yeah, big um, NBA fan. yeah, big NBA fan. Um, the melting clock was a shot clock, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't know what's going to happen with the front court. I don't think it makes sense to add, not necessarily. And as somebody mentioned, I you know it scrolled up past this point. Oh wait, I can actually hear. I can add it to the screen. Amit says Masai's tank never employ or play a center. Lol, it has worked twice now. <laughs> insightful i think that it is much easier if you want to lose games is like the raptors were a team that wanted to get on the opposite side of it where they looked at it and said if we lose the possession different if you win the possession differential by this amount you win like 70 percent of your games if you want to be on the other side of that stat you can just like not rebound the ball and not have traditional centers necessarily and then you will lose more games if that is your intention so i guess we'll see um go ahead okay that's goodert's law this is something i've been wanting no one has said this so the raptors actually just uh for the past four or five years succumb to the um the uh logical fallacy of goodert's law which is when a measure becomes a target it ceases to be a good measure and nick nurse was citing that to media he was like our statistics, our side says if you win the possession battle by five, I think you win 70% of games. As soon as you make that a target, it no longer holds any validity as a statistic, which is what Goodert's Law says. And I can't believe the Raptors spent three years, flushed three years down the toilet when they could have just read this 1975 economics article or something. Well, basketball is in economics. It, it's it's jazz, Lewis, and that's why you're streets behind, sir. Um, 
I feel like we could answer like one or two more questions, then get out of here. He's got to write on this game. And I'm not doing it tonight. We're oh. hanging out. Hanging out. Gonna play some pool or something, maybe. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. So for players, I think free agency is a really interesting thing to discuss, though, because the Raptors could very well open up a lot of money. Um, I don't think they should be using it on an established guy. I think if they have all this money, they should probably try to throw it at restricted free agent. Maybe like the odds of you getting a restricted free agent are slim, but put other teams in Salvador yeah. Dali's exhibit of Dante's yeah. purgatory and inferno. The other thing that's probably more valuable, I think historically to do with free agents like cap space as a team that's not New York, Miami, LA is to take on bad money for picks, right? I think that's probably a more realistic usage of cap space. Do you think there's okay, so bad money picks? Yeah. It's not necessarily cutting edge, but it's useful. And I think people often find that, like, if you could, you know, or it's not necessarily, but like a lot of times the bad money you take on when it when the players switch context, they actually have a lot more value as far as like on court performance than a lot of people initially thought like that kind of like it really it multiplies in on itself when players are in a bad spot and everyone says like you're in a bad spot you're not good, you get paid too much money. Like it rarely do players like fight the tide against that and like prove them wrong. Typically a change of scenery is like helpful. Um, There's currently an exhibit of that going on in the name of RJ Barrett, who was called like, you know, a toxic asset. And I know the defense hasn't been good, but has been of significant utility on offense and a real driving force of the Raptors success on that end. He's been efficient. He's been no frills. He's been scoring. He's shouldered a lot of the load, especially like putting pressure on the rim. That is simplified stuff for other people. And, you know, I don't know exactly who I could name that fits the bill for like they get paid a lot of money and the team wants to get off of them. I don't know. Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is one. Maybe someone else is like uh, we talked about earlier. If if Denver like flames out in the playoffs this year and they're like 36 yeah. million for Michael Porter Jr. is not exactly what we want to do. Yeah. I don't know. Like you would probably fit pretty well with Scotty. Just that's forecasting probably too far ahead. Um, but yeah, you have a list. Free agency. Wow. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, Killian Hayes. Maybe you pay that guy a tiny bit of money. I really like Killian Hayes's the aesthetics of his passing. Really beautiful passes. And Lefty. What I can say about Killian Hayes. He's yeah. He needed the three to come along. Obi Toppin. Uh, Okoro isn't super interesting. Toppin will probably get a decent amount of pay, but that was kind of like, I was talking to Jack Quantrill, who you did a podcast yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, smart yeah, smart fella. He was talking about the, the Atletico Madrid thing, who said, um, you don't buy players from Atletico Madrid because they struggle elsewhere. And Obi Toppin, I wonder if he left the cozy comfy pace and space confines of the pacers if like so much of what he succeeded at becomes a little bit harder to just have it you know happening at another location i don't really know but uh that's kind of where that is the raptors will be have a super interesting off season obviously ob dot 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 nobi says taco and nacho battle channel yeah i think the point is don't expect the raptors to do anything to hasten the pace of this we could get an ob dick pairing Right? 
a whale of a twosome. They're not going to be contending next year. They're not going to be contending the year after. Uh, and I think paying a guy like Nick Claxton is probably not um, a shortcut that they're going to take. Masai Ujiri preached patience, and that's really they're going to commit to that because there's just no faster way to do this right now. When when you hear patience, does like a number of years pop in your head? I'm thinking 2020, like six. That's the 2026. Two, two really bad years. Yeah. And then a fledgling attempt at play-in slash playoffs in 2026. Yeah. This was, I thought 2023-24 was the year I had targeted as when they wanted to peak as a team. When I was watching the 2020-21 team, I was like, 3-4 is the timeline. You want to project a little ways out. And obviously, it all went off the rails for a bunch of reasons. Um if they try to buy, if they try to add, they're not going to be good. They're just, they don't have the picks to buy enough to be good in the short term. Like it's just. And my, they won't, they won't have the Houston money in a free agency pool where there's like a ton of impact players yeah. who are actually, you know, Fred isn't on a steal of a deal, but I think Dylan Brooks is where you can just like go buy a good backcourt, which is like how many teams get to do that in yeah. free agency. And like, while they're not good, good, they're certainly good enough to like help direct the culture of the team, yeah. you know, inform winning plays, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't know if the Raptors will be able to do it in free agency, but 2026 is, yeah. Or more. That might be early. That might, that might be early. It might be. Yeah. We're ending this podcast a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier than I usually do since, yeah, you know, it's like, whatever. Just end a podcast. <laughs> I don't have much of a good reason. Um, 2027 is so long, says Taco and Nacho Battle Channel. After Minhas says 2027. It is a long time. That would be... That's a lot of games where I'm sitting here talking about a loss. Yeah. It might It might mean that I have to change the opener. Like I can't keep saying that's pretty, that's pretty bad. bad. That's pretty bad. There's more adjectives out there. You may not know this. There's more mm -hmm. adjectives than good and bad. That's pretty effervescent. That's pretty evocative. <laughs> yeah, pretty evocative. That, that seems just as well. Um, there's like 150 people in chat. Make sure you like the video on your way out. It helps promote it to other people via the algorithm, the all-powerful algorithm, etc. It's free, and if you have the means to pay for stuff and your work, you like us and you're just being introduced to us, or if you like us and you haven't yet pulled the trigger on it, um, go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe to the website. It's how we keep our independent journalism alive and make sure that we pay people a respectable wage, etc. as we continue to impact the Toronto basketball community in a great way, as has been the case for like years and years and years. And if you want to subscribe the freeway, the YouTube channel is just as easy. In the morning, there will be a fantastic recap with film, quotes, analysis, and reporting from Esfandiar Barahini. We are so lucky to have him on the Raptors Republic channel. Look forward to that tomorrow morning. And thank you for listening. And to the podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in with us, whether it was, you know, before bed, walking the dog in the morning, walking yourself, the little mental health walk, anything you want to say before we get out of here. I hope you have a blessed day and good night. Wow. Nailed it. All right, guys. We'll see you.